Just a little bit of review. As we already know, James is writing to Christians who left Jerusalem, and they're all in search for a better life with less pain and difficulty. But we also know that is not what they found as they scattered throughout the known world into unfamiliar places, new territories. And in, in a couple ways, we know that they struggled. First, we know they struggled economically. They, they were trying to make ends meet. That's why a lot of them left where they were, so that they could have a flourishing business or potentially they could find, job, uh, find a job or find some work to provide for their families. But that, that was a struggle for them. We, we also know that they were struggling socially because they're Jewish Christians. So they're trying to figure out how they fit into their Jewish community, Orthodox Jews. They're going to get rejected in many ways by, by those that look like and talk like them. They're also struggling to fit in with, pagan, uh, with pagans and, and pagan Gentiles. They were deeply misunderstood from every angle. And so life was hard and it was affecting their Christian life. And James is writing all of these things. We're, we're only talking about a little bit, but we're gonna see he addresses a lot of practical stuff because they're struggling with their personal theology. What do they believe about God? How does that affect their life? They're, they're struggling with their obedience to God. They're struggling with their treatment of other people. I know I'm supposed to, I know better and I'm supposed to do better, but I'm, I'm not having a good time with that. So then James warns that trials, difficult situations in life, or even just hard times will intensify temptation. That's what we talked about last week. We can overcome temptation, but trials will intensify it and we need to be prepared for it. And then today, he's going to target some specific temptations. And that, that is the one to get angry. Angry at family, angry at self, angry at others, angry at God. And our passage reveals that James was quite concerned about this. He wouldn't have written about anger unless it was a problem. And he had heard about it, and he was aware. And so here's what the Bible says, just a few short verses, James 1, 19 through 21. And he writes, "'This you know, my beloved brethren,' But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Just a few verses uh, today, and I don't think I'm going to get to everything that I intend to say, even though it's only a few verses Dallas Willard said this. He's a Christian philosopher, theologian. He said, anger is the most fundamental problem in human life. I read that about 10 times this week, and I thought, why did he say that? Anger is the most fundamental problem in human life. And, and this is what I concluded. Anger is something that everyone experiences, no matter who they are, yet most people have not found a way to manage it well. Anger is something we all experience, but most people have not found a way to manage it well. And here's why. Our raw and our reactive anger is responsible for so much destruction. We know that. How many lives have been destroyed? How many marriages have been destroyed? Families, children. I mean, we have talk shows devoted to how people's upbringing was and how it devastated their life and what was in their home and happening in their home. And you can hear it in these now adults who used to be kids that there was a lot of anger in their home that caused them to be sitting in these seats on these talk shows. I mean, we, we, we are now reaping the consequences, not entirely of anger, but it certainly was a massive problem and still is today. And so James actually says this right in the middle of this passage. He says, man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Man's anger, our anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And I think we all understand this. The Bible condemns anger, but it's referring to reactions of the flesh, not emotions that we experience. And we need to separate the two. I want to show you a picture to do just that. It's a really awesome theological picture. You'll love it. If you've done any work uh, in psychology or you're a therapist, you'll love what I'm about to say. You'll, you'll support me for sure. But these are what some call primary emotions or basic emotions, and, and not everybody agrees on how this is all laid out. But I'm just saying, 
These are the things that we feel when life happens. We're talking about joy and sadness, anger, fear, disgust, surprise. And let's just be honest, we're not all good at managing our emotions. We feel them, we experience them, we react out of them. We all love joy, amen? We just sang about the joy of the Lord, the joy. <laughs> <Some of you. laughs> you could use some more joy, amen? When something good happens to you, you feel like you have joy, but this is why we remind each other that we don't have joy just because of life circumstances. We have joy because of who Jesus is. But we have joy. It's a basic emotion. Or sadness. How many of you are not good at sadness? You avoid it, right? I don't want to end up in a fetal position for a couple weeks. I just don't. So I just, I don't like to get in there. I, <laughs> I tend to avoid it. I'm, I'm playing this out with you today. But we have anger. Why do, why do we get angry? Why do we get angry? Maybe it's loss. We feel like we lost something that shouldn't have happened or hurt. Fear, injustice, rejection, hopelessness. How about good old irritation? You've been on the road lately? How many, let's just own it. How many of you are just not good with your reactions when you're driving? Go ahead, raise your hand. Come on, do it right now. Wow, wow. Write down those names. <laughs> Why are you not at small group? You just get irritated, you know, and you're like, I'm not angry. Yeah, you are. It happens. We, it's, when something happens, we respond with these emotions. The Bible doesn't give us much detail or nuance about how to feel or process or channel our anger but it does, it does not condemn anger as a whole. And, and it's very interesting because oftentimes when we think about anger, we just put it entirely into the negative category. I would tell you, instead of just saying anger needs to wholeheartedly be rejected, I think anger needs to be understood. I think anger needs to be understood. When we know that we're getting angry, we need to ask deeper questions about why are we angry? You're not just angry because you're angry. There are, there are reasons that we get angry that cause us to feel a certain way, cause us to react, cause us to respond. And if we're not good at asking the question about what is underneath what I'm feeling, then we're never going to get to the actual issue, are we? And that's actually what happens to so many. And I think, unfortunately, I am a Pentecostal, which I'm glad about, but I think Pentecostals are the worst at this for asking God to deliver them from things when they don't even know what they need. Like, Lord, I'm just angry all the time. I'm just upset. Just deliver me from anger. And you don't even know why you're angry. What we really need is to understand what the issue is so that we can receive healing and walk out a whole different life. And that's not what we're often asking for. We just don't like the fact that we're upset. Well, being upset is an indication of something else that God wants to speak to. So we have to learn how to ask these questions. But the Bible doesn't condemn anger as an emotion or as a feeling. It condemns anger as an outburst or as an action that clearly destroys people, including us. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. I want you to pay close attention to this verse. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Let, let me read to you the New Living Translation. Don't sin by letting your anger control you. I like the way that they said that. So here's the question. Can you have anger and not sin? That's what it says. Can you have anger and sin? Yes. Unmanaged anger will become sin. Make no mistake about it. That, that's why the Bible condemns anger. It's often talking about wrath. It's talking about outbursts. It's talking about the actions that are connected to the way that we feel when it's not managed properly or processed through how Jesus wants us to respond. So if anger was a child, we wouldn't want to put him in the trunk. I had to think about, maybe we do. No, I'm just saying, there might be a child you... Like, don't put your kids in trunks. Like, that's not good. If, just follow me. If anger was a child, we wouldn't want to put him in the trunk, nor would we want him to drive the car. What we're trying to say today is that we, we can't avoid our anger, but we can't let it control us. You see what, I'm, see what I'm saying? So James teaches in this passage that when trials come, we need to be what? Slow to anger. Well, that, that's wisdom. 
I mean, he doesn't even have the thousands of years of psychological development, which I don't agree with all entirely, but he, he, he's saying slow to anger, not avoid your anger, not, not lack acknowledgement of your anger, be slow to it because it has power that can control you. All right, so we got to dive deep. What does he give us for wisdom? Six things. You ready for six points? That's a lot of points. I didn't write it. James did. Here's the first one. We must be quick to hear. If you've heard messages taught on this, sometimes we just get it wrong. We think, or we're, it's often taught like, hey, you have two ears and one mouth, and we should be better listeners than we are talkers. And friends, that's just practically true, right? But James isn't like, hey, guys, I think you all are terrible listeners, and you just need to be better listeners, as he's not talking about listening skills. I'm not saying he discludes it, but that's not what he means. He's not talking to people in a trial who are going through all kinds of pain and difficulties. Like, you know, you just need to be better listeners with each other. <laughs> we, in our modern day, we, do, we just get scripture wrong so often. What does James mean by be quick to hear? Be swift to hear. He's talking about be quick to hear God's word. When you're going through a trial, temptation is intensifying and anger starts to rise. You need to remember that you follow Jesus Christ and you're called to go after him and his word governs not only how you think, but also how you act. So when you're starting to feel something rise in your heart, be quick to hear the word of God. This isn't like, I mean, if you, in your marriage, if you guys don't listen to each other, like you should listen to each other, but that he's not giving marital advice entirely. That's not what he's going after. Although that seems to be how we teach this, this passage. That's not exactly what he's saying. He's talking about being quick to hear God. What is God saying? You're upset. What is God saying? You need to take a walk and speak to God. Ask him to speak to your heart. What does the word say about how you feel? I think it's interesting if we just frame up hearing the voice of God for a moment. First, we hear God in the word. That's foundationally, eternally. His word is always true. We also hear him by the Holy Spirit where the word of God gets applied and specifically targeted in our hearts. But I think it's interesting how sometimes we think that the way that we hear God is in our devotional time or in our quiet time, and we just need to tune out the world, and we need to turn down the noise, amen, and we just need to get really quiet and get still before God, and all of that's great, and we need to go hiking and go up on a mountain where God can speak to us, and it's just us and him, and, and that sounds wonderful, but I don't know about you. I live in a world full of chaos and noise, and sometimes I'm baptized in the fire, and I think that God is saying through James in this passage, that it isn't just in your quiet time that we need to hear from God. It's that we need to learn to hear God in the fire. That when your heart is raging and you're upset, God wants to speak because of what's happening in your life. And if we would just say, Lord, what are you saying? Why is this happening? Why do I feel this way? I bet you God has a whole lot more to say. I bet you this is indicative of something and he wants to use it to speak to the thing that's deeper that perhaps we'll never even see if all we do is just have a little bit of coffee and devotional time with Jesus. Now, friends, I'm not knocking that. You go ahead and do that, amen. Have two cups of coffee. I don't, that's not my point today. But if all we think is that we just gotta quiet ourselves and then we can hear the voice of God, us extroverts are gonna have a hard time. And if you're going through a year or two where it's tough, friend, I want to tell you, God wants to speak to you right where you're at. But here's what James says, be quick to hear. Don't just give yourself to whatever you're feeling and you're thinking. Don't just allow the anger to come out of you. Don't just justify. No, no, ask the question, what does God's word say to me right now? What is God asking of me? And I'll tell you this, it's not just stop being angry. That's not what he's saying. Not just knock off the anger. Just stop being so upset. You're always frustrated. I just don't want to be frustrated. Me too, amen. Welcome to the club. But I bet you there's a reason why we're frustrated. There's a reason why we're irritated. There's a reason why we haven't changed. There's a reason why we're always upset and we haven't gotten better. And God wants to speak to us about that. He speaks to us uh, in the fire. We need to pay attention to what God um, is saying. And this allows us to speak God's word to our emotions. To manage our emotions, we need to know what God is saying about how we feel and what we're experiencing. So this exhortation, of course, is not about having physical ears uh, to hear. 
The concept here of hearing with our heart goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and Jesus reiterated it. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses is about to restate the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. This is like, Deuteronomy is like his final dissertation before the children of Israel go into the promised land. And here's what he says, and this is not an isolated event. He says in Deuteronomy 5.1, Moses summoned all Israel, saying to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, that you might learn them and observe them. I want you to pay attention to this. Hear what I'm about to say, that you might learn and observe. Throughout the Bible, hearing was always connected to doing. You couldn't do if you didn't hear. James is actually reiterating to the Hebrew mind what has always been true from the Old Testament. I want you to hear God so that you can do and observe what God says. Well, Jesus said the same thing seven times in the Gospels. He says it in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 9. He tells the parable of the sower. Everyone didn't get it. We know that because the disciples go to him later and say, what did you mean? He tells them this parable. Nobody understands it. The crowd's just happy to be part of the Jesus conference. And as they're there, Jesus closes that parable by saying, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear. What an offensive thing to say. I mean, they're probably like, they, they didn't, he, he wasn't talking about, did you just hear what I said physically? He's saying it has to go deeper than the physical. I'm speaking things that if you just stand here and you listen, you'll do nothing about it. And ironically, James in verse 22, which we're going to study in a week from now, he goes into saying you can't hear without doing. All of this is connected. It's one conversation. You can't hear without doing, but you have to hear if you're going to do. Very powerful. Be quick to hear the word of God, not just physically, not just with physical ears, but with our hearts. We have to let it get into our hearts, having a soft heart so that the word has a place to land. Otherwise, we become religious. And who of you want to be more religious? He's going to talk about religion. I got to back up. Who of you just want to be bad religious? (laughs) Because we're going to talk about good religion in three weeks. When things are hard, the test is, whose voice are we listening to? Israel had these tests. You remember in the wilderness? They get delivered by God's mighty hand. They even get gold on their way out. They're just just all full of gold. They take out all the gold of Egypt with them. They get delivered. They're all happy. They get in front of the Red Sea, and they realize the Egyptians are on their way, and they can see the Egyptians are about to take them back into slavery. And they're so angry, and they're so upset. And they do what? They start to complain. And they specifically say, did you, Moses, bring us out here to kill us? And Moses said, yes, bye. No, he didn't didn't say that. That's a different translation. He didn't. But they were not quick to hear. God just delivered them. And then God delivers them through the Red Sea, and they walk for three days on the other side with no water, and they basically start complaining, and they want to kill Moses at this point. They're actually plotting to kill Moses right now. They saw God lift up the water. They walked through, and three days, they didn't have water, right? They couldn't fast, amen? They couldn't fast at all. But here's the fundamental issue. They did not ask God what he was going to do. Now, here's here's my statement about that. The problems or difficulties that we face are invitations to pursue God's voice in our life. What are you saying to me? He's not just calling us idiots because we're here. He's not just telling us we have anger problems. He's not just saying, I just want you to stop sinning. All of those things might be true, but when we're in a jam and when we're in difficulty and we call on God, he's gonna speak to us about what we need to hear, but are we quick to hear? Are we quick, are we quick to hear? When we went through uh, the pandemic and we all kind of had, were baptized into the fire, one of the observations that I made that I do not want to repeat, and I mean all of us, I'm, I can't say you specifically, but I just feel like the body of Christ did not do a good job of being quick to hear what God was saying. That, that's just how I feel about that. A lot of opinions, we, talk, we can talk about the medical stuff, we can talk about the government stuff, we can talk about all that, but one thing I felt like was missing 
is that we weren't cracking our Bible enough to study and see what God was saying, and we weren't asking the Holy Spirit. We weren't crying out to God enough. And if we go through another pandemic or we go through another thing, I'm telling you, I'm going to be that annoying exhortational voice that we need to hear what God is saying. Turn off the online prophets, turn off YouTube, amen, and all these people. We have no idea how they live their life, and let's come together and let's cry out to God. What are you saying? Let's be quick to hear because God has a word to say in every circumstance, right? That's what brings us together. A lot of things in life divide us. The second thing is actually, it's like two sides to the same coin. He says, be slow to speak. Now, I don't have to tell you this, but when we're angry, we tend to say things that we eventually regret. How many of you can say amen or ouch? Ouch, yes, sir. This is the other side of it. Um, Israel in the wilderness said things out of their anger and frustration. We have it recorded in God's eternal word. Job in his suffering, prophets in their pain and their confusion, disciples in their confusion. How many times did they say something out of their frustration and it's recorded and we get to judge them for it? But we do the exact same thing, don't we? And James says this, he does not say don't speak. He says, be slow to speak. He doesn't say don't speak. He says, be slow to speak. Now, I'm not going to bring a microphone up here and ask for confessions today, but I'll give you one. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So, okay. So in the last couple months, just being honest here, I got angry a couple times. And I don't just mean like irritated, like that happens and we go, Lord, help me. And you move on with life. Okay. That's all fine. But I got angry a couple times. Really, I got really upset. And I'll leave it there. And there were, um, one time I got so angry that I cussed. Stop judging, right? What are you, what are you doing right now? I just, I just, I just cussed. And it didn't start with a D. It didn't start, you know what I'm saying? Like it was a, it was a, ba- it was a rated R. It was a, Okay. All right, now let's stop judging me for a second and hear what I have to say. So some of you are like, what's the problem? I do that all, all the time. <laughs> I do that all the time. And you, need, and you need God's grace is what you need. You need <laughs> but for me, I don't, I don't cuss. I, that, I, honestly, I could probably count on two hands in 25 years how many times I've said a cuss word. Like, that's the truth. I actually confessed it to my wife because I said it out loud. And she said, what? <laughs> she, said, she said, you did what? <laughs> Because it was so abnormal for that to happen. And I did it because I was angry. I was really, really upset about something. Now, what I was upset about did not warrant the anger that I felt and came out of me at the time. Now, I want you to know. Now, if you're going to leave the church because this is the cussing pastor, (laughs) it's far worse than this, guys, just so you know. Yeah, I'm just being honest about it. The rest of the pastors cuss too, all right? All right, this cussing pastor, you know. Yeah, as far as I can tell, Jesus confronted self-righteousness more, but I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge. And I am, guys, I'm re- just so you know, I'm really, really silent in about 7,000 languages. So that's, that's a testimony because I don't speak them, but that's, you can talk about that on the way home. I said what I said, because I was angry and it was sin. And so, of course, I repented. Lord, but for me, I was confused because when I was a young man, I used to cuss a lot. It was just, I just was, I'd swear. That's just how I lived my life. And then Jesus set me free and I, my mouth got cleaned up supernaturally. I never tried to not cuss, right? Some of us struggle with things that others don't. That, right? Is that right? Like, I don't struggle with some of the things you do. You don't struggle with some of the things I do. We struggle against sin, and we submit to his righteousness, and the Spirit of God sanctifies us. I don't struggle with this. It's just not something, oh, I just wish I stopped cussing so much. You know, it's, it's not a thing. Now, I never worry if I'm going to slip in a microphone. It just hasn't never been a thing. But I went on a walk and repented, and I asked the Holy Spirit to show me, what, what, what was that? And he did. He did. Be quick to hear. What came out of my mouth, I wasn't slow to speak. He showed me something that had been accumulating over time. And I I got that right with the Lord. I didn't see it. I'll be honest with you, I didn't see it. When I asked him, quick to hear, slow to speak out of the things in my heart, rather speak to God. 
What are you saying? And he got at something I could not, I was blind. I just be honest with you, I was blind. But praise be to God, he delivers us as we ask him for his help. He does that. He knows how to do that. But we're living in a culture where we're taught, encouraged, and even given opportunity to act, to react out of our anger. It's encouraged. It's celebrated. Social media has actually proved this. It starts with like a snappy reply on social media, snarky comments, clever comebacks. But how many times have you seen those things turn into arguments where relationships are lost? And I'm not here to teach you social media etiquette today, but can I just encourage you, just don't ever respond to anybody's social media when you're upset, ever. It'll save you so much headache. Friends, that's not what social media is for. Let people say whatever they're gonna say, but I'll tell you this, people don't talk like that in person. It's a bigger cost, isn't it? We should be careful what we post. We should be careful how we respond. And I'm telling you, we should just go on a long, lifelong fast of responding to any of that stuff because here's what social media has revealed. It's there. And we can sophisticate it and be like, well, I don't cuss, but you say a lot of snarky things that come out of anger. And if you're doing that, there's something there that God wants to get to and deliver us from. Amen? We don't want to be like that. Who wants to become this crusty, religious, calcified, angry person? Do you want to be that? I'll tell you, it will happen to you if you do not deal with and manage your anger. It will happen. We are not exceptions. Nobody in this room is an exception. We can say, well, I don't struggle with that. I don't struggle with this. But how do people interpret who we are and how we are when we're in their presence? That's a very important question. As we think about being slow to speak, consider three things from Proverbs 15. These are three things that are very important. Number one, are these the right words? That's what we say. Number two is, is this the right tone? That's how we say it. And number three is, is this the right time? That's when. You know, anger can usurp all three of those. Anger can usurp what we say, because we say things we regret. Anger can usurp the tone that we say it in. I mean, we might try, like, I'm not angry, I'm not angry, I am not angry. So we try to like calm it down, we try to simmer it, it's still anger. You know the person that tries to talk themselves out of like being a yeller? I, I don't, I don't yell. Well, the decibel levels are rising. So we have to use new words to call whatever you're doing, not yelling, because we're trying to accommodate your flesh. I recommend we don't accommodate any of our flesh. Just call it anger and move on. It's yelling because it's not kind. It's, and it's not preaching like I do sometimes. All right, any, anyhow. Number three, we must be slow to get angry. Now, James isn't talking about not being angry ever or feeling anger as an emotion. He's saying be slow to get angry. Look at how the different translation word this. NIV, slow to get angry. ASV, slow to wrath. It's talking about what comes out of us. And the Phillips translation says, slow to lose your temper. We need to be slow to lose our temper. I love it when people say, well, you know, I just kind of blew up. And that subtly implies we can't control it. I just kind of blew up. You know, you ever blow up? We just blow up. Like Mount St. Helens erupted in my life. And it just kind of, you sort of justify it the way we talk about it. Maybe you need a couple minutes to think about what I'm saying here. I can tell. <laughs> but the way we say, I just kind of blew up, you know. You can control your anger. Amen? You're not convinced. All right, let me prove it. Let's say you get in a really good argument with somebody. Spousal, maybe family, whatever. Whatever that is. You get in a really good argument, and the decibel levels start to rise just a little bit. Volume starts to go up. Maybe you're not screaming at each other and whatever, but you're, <laughs> you're upset, and it's a good one. And, and you're at it. And then the phone rings. And you, you look, and it's, it's mom or dad, and, or whoever, or, or son or daughter, and you pick up the phone, and you go, hey, how are you, how are you doing? Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, mom. Yeah. Oh, you felt led to pray for us right now, did you? Okay. Yeah. What do we need prayer for? I'm not sure if I need anything. Do you need some prayer? Is that, is that do we need, we need prayer? No, I can't think of anything right now. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, the Lord spoke to you. He did. Okay. All right. Yeah, we shouldn't do that right now. Okay. You know what you just did? You controlled your anger. You just controlled your anger, didn't you? You're upset. You're going at each other. Phone rings. Hey, hey, buddy. How you doing? 
Yeah. We can control our anger. We just blow up. We talk about blowing up like we can't control stuff. No, no, friend. We can, we can control uh, our anger. And we need to learn to identify anger as it rises in our, in our hearts and not allow it that expression. Be slow. Be slow to anger. I'm starting to feel it. The thermometer, it went from 97, 98. Now it's about 103. I got to calm down. I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm not going to say anything. This needs, we need to learn how to manage that. I'm, I'm starting to feel it. That the thermometer's rising. If we can identify it there, we can save ourselves, our friends, our family, a lot of pain and problems because we're not allowing whatever's next to just flow out of us, like bust out, uncontrolled. We can't do that. James is like, don't do that. Be slow to your anger. And it's interesting to me because this is what the Lord is like. It says in Exodus 34, 6, and I believe James is referencing that. The Lord says about himself that he is slow to anger, abounding in love. And if we want to be like him, that's what he is uh, like. King Solomon made this statement as well about slow to anger. And he said something interesting that I want to read to you. Proverbs 16, 32. He says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is better than he who captures a city. Now I read that and I thought, we don't believe that. We don't believe that at all. You read that and you're like, yeah, but let me read it to you again. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, better than one that captures a city. Which would you rather be called? Let me talk to the men for a second, okay? Ladies, you could be included, but I just, for a second, let me, let me get a little gender specific. Would you rather be called a patient man or a warrior? Right? We don't believe it. You hear what I'm saying now. The world rewards warriors, while patient men change diapers and take out trash. <laughs> That's the truth. But Solomon says, it's better to control your temper than take a city. And I started to think, why would he say this? This doesn't make sense to me. I never slow down enough to actually go through the passage and discover what he means, but I started to think about what he's talking about. And Solomon knew the cost of being such a person. He understood that. His dad was an angry man. His dad was so angry. We love David, the worship warrior, all this stuff, but we forget that God would not let David build the temple because he was a man of bloodshed. So all David could do was make all the preparations. So he got all the gold and the silver and the wood, and he commissioned his son Solomon to do what God wouldn't allow him to do it. And the reason God said you can't is because you're a man of bloodshed. He had a temper. This man was angry. He was. Solomon knew what his dad looked like being angry. I bet you he was afraid of his father. I bet you a lot of people were afraid of David. So when Solomon writes this, having a dad that's taken city after city after city, and Solomon's the guy that's got peace on all of his borders, and he's got all of the wisdom to like solve problems in a conversation, he makes the comment that those that are slow to anger are better than the warriors because the cost of being an angry warrior causes greater damage, and he knew it. To be that person causes such collateral damage. It's so painful. It accumulates so much problems that you would rather be a person that is slow to anger, be a patient person rather than someone that everybody celebrates for taking cities. Those people might be celebrated by everyone else, but they didn't destroy their home doing it. I bet you Solomon knew exactly what he was talking about when he said this, but a lot of the world doesn't believe it, do they? No, no, we don't. Being slow to anger is a command and it's possible with God's help through the name, through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. We got a couple more points here. Number four is we must put away, there's two things he says to put away. Number one, or number four is put away all filthiness. Verse 21, put aside all filthiness, and some translations say all moral filth. Did any of you grow up just loving that word filth? Like it just, uh, I mean, this is a dumb comment here, I promise, but filthy. Like it became, a, that word became like a positive word. Like, man, that's filthy. <laughs> now it's the, the Gen Z, it's the cook. Man, you cooked. I don't know what that is. I'm still confused about it. It's like we grew up like, man, that's filthy. Like we, such a, all right. Anyways, he says, put away. <laughs> this is so weird. You get to your 40s and you start going like, I am weirder than I thought. This term, put aside, it carries the picture of take off dirty garments. 
put aside. It's take off all moral filth. This word is an interesting Greek word, original language. It's never used again in the Bible, ever. It's only used one time. So the only way you can really understand it is if you find outside literature. And so thank God that there's a lot of scholars out there. And I read a couple scholars, and they helped me understand this a little bit better. It's translated sometimes in other literature as obscene talk. Obscene talk, which connects to the whole slow to speak thing. It's also categorical in that it's, it's that which is, it's, it's morally uh, filthy or antithetical to the people that God's called us to be. Uh, I was thinking about obscene talk a little bit. Have you, um, have you ever slammed a car door on your fingers? Trauma, <laughs> trauma. Uh. What a horrible experience, right? Now, when you slammed the door, what came out of your mouth? I'm trying to get some validation here from my cussing event that I told you about. If you're Pentecostal, you go, oh, you know, you're like, oh, like, oh, I know what speaking in tongues is all about. Yeah, I mean, slamming a car door would make a good Baptist turn into Pentecostal real quick. <laughs> like, nah, I get it. That's not really funny. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, too, was Baptist, so if you... But what comes out of you isn't always wholesome, in thought or in word, for sure. Right? It's just not a pleasant experience. And we wouldn't repeat it publicly, but here's what I thought about that. It's a picture for how anger can control us. So if something happens in your life, like even very simple, let's say you have kids and the kid spills the milk on the table. If, you get, if your reaction is automatic anger, now we're all frustrated by that, but if you, if you automatically get angry and you start to speak like that, I would tell you Jesus wants to do a work in your heart. You just, a kid spilled milk on the table. Is that a big deal? No. But this is what I'm talking, let's get practical for a second here. If that's our automatic response, like you hit me and this is what happens, this is what comes out of me, and that's all it takes, when trials intensify, it's going to get way worse. It's going to get way worse. If all it takes is a spill or something, friends, listen to me. Don't let that stay. that's, That's what James is talking about. Be slow to anger. That's not slow. That's quick to anger. I'm so quick to anger, I can't even have an accident in my home without me yelling at someone. Not healthy, not healthy. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just saying Jesus wants to do a work in us. He does. And we want to get softer as we get older. We want to get softer so that the things that don't matter, we don't even respond to them like that. We go, oh, guess we're just going to clean it up. Yeah? I'm not even getting an amen at all. This is (laughs) like, oh, guess we're going to clean it up. This is good practical advice. All right, where's more? James says, repent, lay it aside. It's a dirty garment. It doesn't fit you anymore. Number five, we must put away all wickedness. Verse 21, put away all that remains of wickedness. Again, this is a categorical word. It's also a word that's not used often. And when it is, it's kind of, it's a difficult word. It speaks of trouble and malice and evil, things that have intention behind it. It can be translated evil habits of the mind. When you apply this to anger, it's kind of like role-playing revenge. This is the way I think of it. Evil habits of the mind. Think somebody does something to you and you just, have you ever laid down on your bed or you sat in your seat? Now, injustice and pain is bad. I'm not taking that away from it. But if we keep living out these scenarios in our head, bad things grow. Bad things grow. Jesus gives us the commission to love enemies. That's, that, I mean, that's hard, He tells us to go so far to love our enemies and to forgive those that have despitefully used us and bless them. I mean, this is crazy. And you can't do this without the power of Jesus working in your heart. You cannot do it. We hit a dead end every time. And whenever we hit a dead end, and anger is an indicator. Anger is a bad motivator, but it's a great indicator. Bad motivator. Love is the best motivator. Well, let, let let me back up on that. I got a few minutes. I started to think, about a scenario where anger was a good motivator. I, I, it took me a long time to think about it because there are people that will just, well, the Bible says that there's righteous anger. And I would say, okay, there's righteous indignation. And people will say, well, Jesus was angry, but then they jump this huge chasm where they're exactly like Jesus. And I don't jive with that very well. Like you've got a long way to go before you say that. 
Because Jesus was, but Jesus was perfect and sinless and righteous. So let's not jump the chasm. Let's ask the question. Am I like him when anger comes out of me? So I started asking the question. Just wanted to think about it. What, where was a scenario where anger properly motivated me? And I can only think of one situation. I, was at, I went to Walmart and there was this, uh, I'm just gonna use ethnicity here for a second, but because it's important. There was a white guy sitting there and he was saying, God knows what. I don't know what was coming out of it. Just a lot of weird stuff was coming out of his mouth. And I was with a friend and an Asian American guy walks out of the store and he starts throwing racial slurs at this guy. And I won't repeat them, you know what they are. He started saying this stuff and he was louder and louder and louder. And the guy just kind of kept walking. He kind of stopped and looked back and you could tell he was angry, he was upset. But Mr. Ben Dixon, I have a little trigger in me. And so I feel like I kind of floated up to the white guy, just kind of like, <laughs> hey sir, how are we doing today? Um, and I did, this, I have witness. I just walked right up to him. I didn't even think about it, didn't pray about it. I just walked right up to the guy. And this is what I said to him. I said, sir, are you okay? And I was saying it with intensity. So you can, Pastor Card was, are you okay, sir? Are you okay? Because it doesn't seem like you're okay. And the Asian American guy turns around and now he's behind me. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't want him to get in trouble. I'm not trying to do this for him. I just didn't want him to get in trouble because I thought I was already Gonna get Now, I do need to say an addendum. My friend was strapped. You know what I'm saying? He was, so I had plenty of, <laughs> I do need to say that. And he's a pastor too, but I, uh, <laughs> I am I getting in trouble here, Kurt? Is that am I okay? All right, so, <laughs> so my friend was, I don't know if that's part of the story, but it's true. I had a lot of confidence. And I was angry. I was, I was motivated by anger because what this guy was saying. And I helped this guy, I successfully helped him off the property. The first thing he says to me is he gets off where he's sitting and he goes, whoa, don't wake the lion, buddy. I was like, what is he talking about right now? And there's a part of me, there's just a part of me. And I think a lot of you have this. There's a part of me that just started, it just woke up and I couldn't, I automatically didn't, I'm, are you okay, sir? Cause I don't think you're okay. And I walked this man all the way off the Walmart property, okay? I didn't get him saved. <laughs> I didn't preach him the gospel. You know, the only good news that this man got was, all right. So maybe that was righteous anger. Maybe that was what that was. Most of the time, I don't know that I would call what comes out of me righteous. And I think the exhortation, before we get all theological and theoretical, stop that for a second and ask yourself a question. When anger rises in me and comes out of me, what is the healthiest thing? Now, I've had people give me stories where there were some good things that it, it motivated, but love is the motivator we want. Anger is the indicator that sometimes we need. That's the way that I understand this. And we need to manage our anger so that what comes out of us is under control of the Holy Spirit. That's what I know. That's what I know. Anger is dangerous when it's unmanaged. So James is going after something that we really need to hear. And the last point that he makes here is uh, we must humbly receive the word. The final verse, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now that word for save there, uh, sozo, it's not about eternal salvation. He's talking about deliverance. It's able to deliver you from acting this way. He's not talking about Jesus forgave you of your sins and you're gonna be with him in heaven. Like that's already assumed. But if you receive the word implanted, it's able to save your soul. So here's what we know. The Bible is God's word. And to the Christian, it's not an external document. It's not a law out there. It says it's written on our hearts. We have a new heart. We have a new nature. The law is now written on our hearts. And Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Did you see the word let it? Let it. James says, receive the word that's already there. Let it do its work. You and I have to cooperate with what God has planted inside of us. We have to get up in the morning and cooperate. Anger comes, we need to cooperate. Sadness comes, we need to cooperate. Emotions come and they want to rock us and take us down a wrong road. We have to cooperate. 
And this is especially important when you go into situations that you've never been in before. Right now, you might be managing, managing your emotions fine, but if you hit an issue you've never been in before, no matter how old you are, no matter how much knowledge you have, that temptation is going to intensify. And now you really need to know what you learned and actually put it into practice, which is the next verse. Don't hear without doing. Hear in order to do. James is very uh, practical. I want to show you a picture real quick. It's embarrassing, but let's do it. You guys know who he is? All right. Yeah, this is 17-year-old Ben. Between the ages of... Uh, calm down here. The 17-year-old Ben, okay? <laughs> when I talk to you about... I've told you about some of you about my story, drugs, alcohol, immorality, all that stuff. From the time I was young, started getting high when I was like 13, 12, 13 years old, then just got crazy until I was 19. So when I met Jesus and I got changed, I got delivered, it was supernatural. This guy, when I look at this picture, one word comes to my mind, and that's the word anger. I was angry. And you know why I was angry? It took me years to discover it. I was angry because of how I saw myself. I was anger, angry because I didn't feel like anybody loved me. I was angry because of how I was treated and mistreated, right? We all have stories. We all have stories, things that happened to us when we were young. Please take that picture off. Amen. Th thank you. Please take that. Thank you. Put up smile in a trial. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But it took me years of coming into Christ to discover what was underneath that picture of that guy. When Jesus met me, he delivered me of the sexual sin, drug addiction, alcohol. That's why to this day, I can't touch alcohol. I mean, some of you drink wine and beer and, and you're okay with that. You don't get drunk and stuff. There's moderation. I can't touch it. I just can't. It's just something in me. I, can't, it's, it's, I don't know how to talk about that, but it's just, there's no shame. Like, hey, I like wine. That's cool. I just can't because God, he delivered me so powerfully. It's just like no going back. Like I am the guy that like, I can't even put the, I can't even get close to the clothes that are stained with who I used to be. Amen. Yeah, a lot of us have that testimony. But it was that anger that fueled me to do all the things that I was doing because I was hurt, because I was hurt. And here's what I know about people. When you see people in life and you get frustrated by how they act and all this, I want to tell you something. What they're doing is a result of what's been sown into their life. Know that for sure. They're not just angry people that are angry for angry sake. There's something that has happened to them or, or how they perceive the world or, or whatever. But what Jesus does when we submit to him is we know he puts his spirit inside of us. And the Bible calls that a seed. And James says, if we humbly receive the word that was implanted, it is able to deliver our souls. So what we do is let it dwell in us richly. Cooperate. If we have an anger problem, it first starts with knowing Jesus Christ. You, you, you can't just manage anger and be a better person without Jesus being everything to you. He, he has to live inside you. So this is number one. Like if, you, if you're here and you have, and even online, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, please hear what I'm saying. You're not just trying to become a better person. Like tomorrow, I'm not going to get so angry. It's not going to happen. You might try, it might happen for a day or two or three or whatever, but you're just waiting to pop because there are things that only Jesus can heal. Deliver your soul. If that's you, that, that's what God is after in your life, to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be delivered, to be set free in Jesus' mighty name. And he puts something in us that's more powerful than anything that's been done to us. Keeps delivering us. And, and I would say to the person today also that if you're here and you're a Christian, but anger continues to accumulate in your life, God is speaking to you about your heart. God wants to deliver your soul. And he says to you, receive the word that was implanted. Surrender and submit to God's word and stop justifying why you feel the way you do. It doesn't mean we don't validate those things really happened. I'm not trying to be your therapist. I'm just saying that it's important to receive God's word in our heart. Lord, do your work in me. Do your work in me. Go as far as you need to go. Be the surgeon that I've always needed. I want to become who you want me to be. That's surrender. That's surrender. We let down all of our justifications and we become a new person. We become a new person. Would you stand to your feet this morning?
And let's pray together. Let's put our hands out to the Lord just in surrender and also to receive. If you need to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, please, after the service, come forward. Come, come all the way up here. Be courageous. Come up here. But in my heart, I pray today that God would break strongholds of anger. God would break strongholds of anger. So if you're here and you have a stronghold, it's calcified and it's put you in prison. I'm not saying the miracle is gonna be you're never gonna be angry again. God doesn't always complete something. He starts it in these rooms. He starts it with this prayer. And then we gotta live life. Then we, we have to submit to him. But if you have a stronghold of anger, it's bigger than you. I'm asking you to pray this prayer. Pray it in, with your own words in your own heart. God, break the power of this stronghold. I submit to you with all of my heart. Hold nothing back. Hold nothing back. Father, I thank you in this room today as we stand in your presence. We desire to follow you and to follow you alone and all that that means. And we just admit, if this is you, we just admit today that we have a stronghold working against us. It's there for different reasons. But today what we want is you to crumble that thing. We want you to break that, the power of that over us. Lord, we just admit we don't have the power to deliver ourselves. We need you to, to deliver us, save our souls, deliver us from this so that we don't continue down these paths. I thank you for our church. I pray for freedom today, right there in the name of Jesus. Do not allow us to be exploited by the enemy, our pain or our past. Help us to grab hold of our discipleship and become the person that you intend for us to be. No person has the power to dictate to us who we're going to be. Not because of our pain, not because of our issues. Those things are real, Lord, but they don't have the power to shape us. And we make that profession of faith today. We submit to you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God. Thanks for listening today. Pastor Ben's mission is to equip the church to impact the world. If you want to get connected, check the show notes and visit bendixon.org. From there, you can learn about Pastor Ben's other podcasts, the books he has written, Ignite Global Ministries, and the online Immersion Discipleship School. 